Hey now, and happy holidays. We are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. That with the final WWE edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast for 2022. That's right, getting over is back once again, and the Silver King is here. Vintage Chris Vanini will be along for the ride momentarily to break down everything that happened this past week in the world of WWE as 2022 is coming to a close. We'll break down everything that went down on SmackDown this past Friday night. And I would say that we're breaking down everything that happened on Monday Night Raw, except WWE decided to air a clip show. So Chris and I will talk about some extraneous content items. Maybe that's the best way that we can put it uh, from WWE this week, leading into the end of the year as the gear up for Royal Rumble begins kicking into overdrive. So before we get into any of that, it would not be an edition of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast if the Silver King began it without reminding you that this show is all about the fire. 2022 is almost out, folks, so please stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me. Go back to being a mark for the Silver King for Vintage. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Drop those five-star ratings on Apple. Take a couple minutes. Leave a five-star written review. Let everyone know how much you love this show. Tell them why they should subscribe. And if you leave one of those written reviews, we will read it live right here on the podcast as we did, I believe it was, last week with three reviews, including two from Down Under in Australia. Also, do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Yes, we do episode drops, news and analysis of wrestling all week long, but on Monday and last week as well, you can go in and check our uh, Twitter feed there. Uh, we posted the nominations for the 2022 Getting Over Awards, a.k.a. The Meaties. And we are still taking nominations the early part of this week before voting opens near the end of the week. Yes, all of you get an opportunity to vote in those Getting Over Awards. You get a one-third equal share along with myself and Chris, and then we will present to you the 2022 Getting Over Awards a.k.a. The Meaties. The first week of 2023. But before we even get to 2023, a quick preview of what's coming up this week on Getting Over. Of course, this is your WWE episode. Between now and your normally scheduled AEW and NXT episode, the Silver King and Vintage will be back with a very special edition of the podcast, a 2022 year in review. We're going to break down everything that happened in the world of professional wrestling in one of the craziest, if not the singular wildest year in professional wrestling history, talking WWE, AEW, New Japan, independent. If it was a major news item that happened in the world of pro wrestling, guess what? We will be covering it on that year in review. And we may even take a look at some early predictions for 2023. We'll find out about that later this week. The point is to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast and to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to Getting Over. That way you get the special episode this week and the special episode next week, which just to remind you, it's the 2022 Getting Over Awards, aka the meaties. All right, Chris, welcome to the show and thank you for that. Uh, you know, you know, normally this is the part of the, the program where we Breakdown, oh, it was a great week in WWE. It was a shitty week in WWE. This was a week in WWE, right? We had uh, SmackDown that was, you know, pretty good, all things considered, I would say. Uh, my individual segment grades will probably be positive, but I didn't think it was a particularly strong episode of SmackDown. None of the advertised matches were major hits. There was little in the way of storyline development. At the same time, nothing on the show was particularly insulting. And then we have Monday Night Raw, where it's a clip show. So, you know, in terms of the newsworthiness of today's program, not much in the way of that, I would say. It's probably one of the longest times they've gone without taping. If you consider we had Raw last Monday and then we've got a SmackDown that is was pre-taped the week before and we've got uh, a Raw clip show this Monday mm -hmm. going into the big SmackDown next week that you're talking well over a week, almost a week and a half or so without a technically a live event, which feels like 
a long time for them. Live television of it. I don't know if they're doing house shows or not. They are. Uh, that's the, the so that's actually the crazy thing is that they. Oh, gave, that's right. They're doing so it tonight. They're they're, they're doing, doing on, a on show. Night. Yeah, they're, they're doing, doing a show fun. Monday night. Yeah, and it's just kind of wild because. You know, okay, I understand like the talent are independent contractors, and my assumption is one of the reasons why they gave TV off for all that time is to give the full-time employees, the producers, the directors, the grips, uh, the people who help set up the ring, all those who travel, uh, even on days where the talent does not travel, they wanted to give them a bunch of time off. And that's legit. That's great. Yeah. But it's like, maybe just give the talent uh, <laughs> December 26th off also. Just one day, no house show. Can we do that? Yeah. You know, it, it's it's the Madison Square Garden show, right? I think they always do. It around I Christmas. don't think that's today. I don't think so. Might be next week's. I don't remember. I know they're doing. I know they're doing a. It's a Monday night house show. I know they're doing around this time because uh, it's going to be SmackDown only or something like that. So it, it, it it's a weird time. Look, by the way, I'm if if I sound any different, I'm in my parents' basement. So this is again when it's an official wrestling podcast. I'm up home in Michigan for the holidays, freezing my ass off. Adam just had some, uh, you had what, an eye appointment or something today? So we're we're battling yeah. the elements here. Yeah, um, I'm not seeing, too, I mean, my, my eyes are totally fine. I got a clean bill of health, but uh, that uh, dilation really messed with me today, more so than it has in the past. Just to clarify, <laughs> though, Chris, you are correct. Uh, they are at Madison Square Garden tonight, but it's not just that. It's a double WWE Live holiday tour show. They're in Columbus, Ohio and Madison Square Garden. So they're not just doing one show on the day after Christmas Day, which in the United States is Christmas Day observed. A lot of people had off of work today. They're not just doing one show. They're doing two shows. And so they're, you know, they're not just doing the MSG show. They're doing a split squad. You know, that's what they call it in like spring training when, mm -hmm. you know, half the team goes, plays one game, half the team plays another for, for baseball. They're doing a split squad live show on Christmas Day observed instead of doing a raw. It's just, you know, I hope they're selling a lot of tickets and I hope the families that get to go and the kids that get to go to those shows obviously have a great time. That's, you know, why they're doing it. WWE wants to make money. They think that people will take families and kids to the shows. That's great. It just feels like they probably could have just not done this and, and, and maybe done that SmackDown, the final SmackDown of the year at Madison Square Garden on Friday, as opposed to doing it elsewhere. I don't even know where it is. It's in Tampa. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, you're the, right. The, it's in Tampa. Yeah. The whole the house show business is just so fascinating to me to st to still come back with that. They've I know they've cut back on it post pandemic, but like mm -hmm. you don't have like sports teams play games that are non televised or something like that. It's just like the idea is just still in this day and age is still kind of wild to think about that. Uh, you know that that uh, they that like we said they are working over the holidays. They're just not working on TV. Yeah, and don't get don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that there's no reason to do house shows. I just find it interesting that they're doing not just one but two of them on this particular day. One of them being in Madison Square Garden, where you generally go full bore with your talent roster and you don't make it like a single brand show or anything. You just try to put on the best show you possibly can when they when WWE is in MSG. So the whole setup of today is just really surprising. Uh, and if you cannot tell, you know, normally of course our WWE episode comes out on Tuesday. We decided to tape a little bit early, uh, both because of our schedules and because we knew that nothing would happen on Raw uh, this Monday night. And because all we really got was SmackDown and because that SmackDown was eventful, you know, a little, but perhaps nothing extraordinary, right, on the build to the Royal Rumble, we don't have a main event of today's show. We're going to issue that and skip right ahead to what is normally our second segment but this week is the main segment on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, Chris. That is the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm sorry, Miss Rosie Perez, I call a spade a spade. It just is what it is. But you can't give credit to anything dude says. Same dude to give you ice and you own some... John, it's time to wake up the dead. You sound a little naive in the articles that I read. I said this last week, man, but this intro now is a vibe. Like I'm, I'm feeling the new good, bad and ugly intro. I'm into it. I'm totally fine dropping the one that we had for two years. Yeah, no, I, like I said, we talked about it a week or so ago. It, it fits. I'm used to it. I'm not I'm not yeah. caught by surprise when it comes up anymore. 
Yeah, I'm into it. I'm down for it. All right, we got a lot to break down from SmackDown. Let us go ahead and get to it. So the Bloodline opened the show as it normally does with Paul Heyman proclaiming them the greatest faction while putting over a bunch of upcoming matches that they have going. The fans chanted for Sami Zayn, who Roman Reigns said looks frustrated and irritated. Sami said he finally found family respect and love, but Kevin Owens is ruining it all because he won't leave him or the Bloodline alone. Zayn then said he and Reigns would make KO and John Cena acknowledge the tribal chief like everyone else has, and then Reigns gave him a huge hug while kind of talking some shit into the camera. This was probably the most family-oriented segment that we've gotten from the Bloodline, with Sammy being treated like a full member, even though he's still technically an honorary ooze because Roman hasn't gone that far given what transpired uh, last week. Strong stuff, I thought, from all involved. Not really much to analyze coming out of it. Reigns and Zayn were both tremendous in their promos, but really this just set the stage for next week's big tag team match. I should say this week's big tag team match. And for that, expectation should absolutely be, I maintain, for the faces to win with Sammy getting pinned, even if it's by Cena. So this was good. My biggest takeaway or just thought from this segment was the incredible just camera positioning and, and image that they had with Sammy like yelling and angry with Roman right over his shoulder based on the perspective, just smiling and smirking. It was just a great shot and they kept it at that spot for much of the segment. So I thought it looked really cool. It just projected Roman Reigns and Sammy Zayn together. Roman's got his back literally, you know, based on the camera and yeah, it was good. So we had a tag team championship match, the Usos defending against number one contenders Hit Row. Did you notice, and look, maybe it's something that they did before that I missed, but Hit Row got like a 4K camera entrance, which WWE used for a short period of time and then stopped. They also got some AR graphics. It upped their cool quotient a little bit. Did you notice any of that? I honestly didn't. I think I just wasn't looking when they did their entrance. But if they okay. did, that that's cool because I liked... You know, it, it, technically, it's not 4K or 8K or whatever. It's like a it's like a mirror or something. Camera. It's the type of camera yeah. shot they use, but it looks great in 4K if you yeah. have it and if it's broadcast that way. But it looks different. Yeah, right. they over they kind of overdid it in sports, but it still works in certain bits. But uh, that's a, yeah. if they did, I imagine it looked pretty cool. And in general, though, I did feel like coming into this match, like before the bell, just from commentary and everything they made Hit Row feel important. And that was good because this was a championship match. And it also was coming out of last week where it was the botch fest at the end of that match. And let's not forget, this was a taped show. So Top Dalla injured himself legit last week. And then like an hour later, had to go wrestle a championship match in this circumstance. So let's not like forget that when we break this entire thing down. Now on that note, Top Dalla's gear was atrocious. Like it was this like fake velvet fabric covered and he's a big dude. He's covered in that. It just there was a, a money pattern on it. It was super freaking ugly. It should not be difficult to make a big guy look good in the ring and it did not look good the way he was like presented in this match. It's just something that I noticed off the bat. Uh, Jimmy Uso didn't get all of a pop-up Samoan drop. Then he broke up a false finish after heavy hitter. Top Dollar's knee gave out trying the double Samoan uh, drop follow a slam, which we catch as one guy puts another guy on his shoulders. Uh, then he ate 1D with the Usos retaining the title. It was a better match than I expected, especially with Top Dollar clearly working injury. He definitely was during that match. So I credit him for gutting it out. With no expectation of a title change, though, you know, I didn't think this was going to be anything, and it really wasn't. I did find it nice. The Usos got a squeaky clean win, which for heels in WWE is not something that happens all the time. And because there was nothing particularly bad about it, I'll go with good. Yeah, not not every title match has to be, you know, the biggest match ever. And it was a fresh matchup. We haven't seen this before. So like that, that was that was interesting, exciting. Uh, I was surprised that Top Dollar was the one who took the pin. Um, but to your point, to win clean over him like that, I think elevates the Usos, which is largely the point of this segment. Hit Row mm -hmm. got a spot, you know, a reason to take them seriously moving forward. Match, you know, it was fine. It was entertaining. It was different. It was new. Uh, I, I, I give this a good. And you know, I, I like when we get that. I like when we can get 
a heel winning clean sometimes. Like you, you got to remember, it can't always be, you know, trying to cheat your way out of things that, that lessens it, but you got to make them look strong. And that's one thing I've always loved about the bloodline is that they've made them look strong. Sometimes they'll cheat, but sometimes they won't. And that's, to me, that's always the best kind of heel. Before we move past the bloodline as a whole, just kind of, we never really do much previewing, but because this is such a big match coming up uh, Friday on SmackDown, of course, it's Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn against John Cena and Kevin Owens in a tag team match, main event of SmackDown and Tampa final WWE television show of 2022. What are your expectations going into this match? Anything in terms of like length, finish, result, um, people getting involved, not getting involved. I'm just kind of curious where your head is at going into SmackDown. I'm thinking we get at least 20 minutes in the ring, probably maybe start the entrances around a half hour to go in the show. It feels big. You know, this is what we said a month ago after War Games Survivor Series, which was they don't have a pay-per-view for the next two months. Mm -hmm. They should make a Raw or SmackDown a very big one. And that's what they've done. They've slowly built this one up in, into a big match. John Cena is going to be back in WWE for the first time this year. So um, for the first time wrestling this year. Yeah. First time wrestling this year. Yes. yes, yes. So. Yeah, that is exciting. I, I'm really looking forward to it. It feels like a big deal. I'm definitely going to watch that uh, live. And. Um, yeah, so I guess that's what I'm what I'm predicting, at least. Yeah, I think you, you, you want, do we do we want to do match predictions on this? I, I mean, sure. Give me your prediction. I think I already said I think the faces win. So, yeah, you said you think the faces win in what I, I think faces win and Cena pins Sammy. I think Cena pins Sammy because it, there's not a great reason to put KO directly over Sammy, especially if what we think might happen, which is them teaming up. So why would you have KO just straight up beat him? I mean, maybe it would be retribution, of course, for Sammy turning on KO. But don't forget, Sammy's not the one who pinned KO in War Games. It was Jey Uso, if memory yes. serves. Yep. So I don't know that you have them go over each other, but I do think it's a situation where like John Cena hits the, I almost said F5. It's been that long since John Cena's wrestling. <laughs> the attitude adjustment um, or the STF on Sammy Zayn pins him, makes him tap while KO's going at it with Roman. That's my expectation. The the other option they could do, and I would love if they do this, mm -hmm. is is Roman, is Sammy interferes and helps Roman pin Cena. Like, I know the bloodline oh, is, I know it's all, it's, fall again. Yeah. yeah, I know it's almost LOL bloodline wins at this point, but that would be kind of one of like, a, a match that's kind of meaningless. Like, if you just gave Roman Reigns a pin over Cena, I know he beat him a year and a half ago, but mm -hmm. if, if you give Roman a, a pin over Cena kind of at this moment, I don't think that'd be a bad decision either. I don't think it would be a bad decision. I, I wonder if having Cena lose is necessary for anything. Like, what is it? What does it accomplish? Cena losing. It gives you the it gives you the image that you can put on the on the video package going into Roman's match at WrestleMania of him standing over Cena for like a second time or something. But he already, a uh, uh, second time. I was going to say, because he already yeah. did it. So you don't need yeah. that image. Okay. I, I can see a point there. There's also, by the way, another uh, bloodline match scheduled for SmackDown, which is Sheamus against Solo Sokoa. And if I didn't need to uh, prompt you going into that match, then allow me to go ahead and do that for you right now. Oh, we got two big meeting men bumping me tonight. There is going to be a lot of beef flying out there. There's a lot of beef out here. Reinforce the repost. The beef's gonna be flying tonight, gentlemen. It is great. And I kind of wonder, Chris, going into this match, is this where Solo Sokoa takes his first loss? Because, you know, we don't know, obviously, what's ahead for WrestleMania. But if they are going to be rebuilding Sheamus to potentially go after Gunther and win that Intercontinental title, at WrestleMania, he needs to start picking up some individual big wins. And I don't know that there's a bigger one that he could get right now than an undefeated solo Sokoa. The alternate of that is Sokoa beating Sheamus and just kind of taking the brawling brutes and saying, hey, you know what? It was kind of cool that you guys were over for a little bit, but now you're out of every title picture and you're just other people on the show. I don't know what they're doing. I, I thought this was eventually going to lead 
to Sheamus getting uh, undisputed WWE Universal Championship match against Roman Reigns somewhere. That never happened. So if you're not having him beat Solo, then you're just setting him up for Solo to take another big win. I look at that and I say, well, what's the end game for Solo? Because he's not going after Gunther. So I'm going to pick Sheamus in that match, but I'm clearly excited for it just from the big meaty aspect of the entire thing. I'm picking Sheamus too, and I think that's also where you can set up with the main event, potentially two bloodline losses on the same show, you know, to end the year. So your storyline is, can the bloodline regroup, you know, in 2023 after after a tough finish or something like that? So I think it could, I think it could go together. And I do wonder if the outcome of this match perhaps tells us what will happen in the main event. That would be very interesting, yeah, because clearly this will probably be an hour one match on the show. One would assume there's also a, a women's championship match. We're going to get to that momentarily, but yeah, you're right. Um, that should happen early, and it will be interesting to see how that match transpires. Are the Usos ringside? Um, is it does it just devolve into a six man, which is something that they could do as well, where the Usos interfere, the Brutes interfere, then uh, Adam Pierce Long, <laughs> Teddy Long Jr. comes out and just makes it a six man tag team match. That could also just happen because don't forget, we were looking at something coming out of Raw where the bloodline invaded and all that shit happened. And we're like, well, what's the purpose of this other than to create an interesting angle for the show? And it could be bloodline barred from ringside for the main event. Well, maybe that 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 happens because they get involved in the Sheamus Solo Sokoa match. Could be. Yeah, I said the I meant the bloodline. I think I said the bloodline. I meant the Usos is what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So could be. Yeah, I, I'm curious about that. OK, let's move to the women's division. We had a women's number one contendership gauntlet match on SmackDown. As the match started, commentary explained Zia Lee's motivation for her attack during the women's tag team title match last week. They basically said she was angry that new women were getting opportunities while she kept getting passed over. Given there was no reveal or explanation by the character on TV, so no reveal last week, right. if you remember, it was done on social media, and then I think maybe we saw a clip of it, or maybe they just showed the clip this week on TV, yeah. Zia Lee didn't get to say anything. It felt like if you were to rewind and kind of regrade the finish to the match, the least sensible finish to a match in the Triple H era. It's like they inserted her just as an excuse to not have Liv Morgan or Tegan Knox get pinned, which is weird when damage control already had the three on two numbers advantage. I was just kind of pissed off with this gauntlet match beginning, hearing that shitty explanation for Zia Lee last week. Yeah, it was a dumb explanation, but I was I was at least glad we got one. It could have been better. I was kind of then just I, I, I honestly didn't expect an explanation. I thought it was, oh, we don't know why Zia Lee did this. And here they're having the match down they're leading off. So like, they tried something at least, but generally, yeah, looking back a week later on how that match ended, you're just kind of like, this was completely unnecessary. Like there was no payoff. She didn't join damage no. control. They, no. didn't, they didn't physically give her money to say, hey, you know, well, here's a thousand dollars if you do that's this. That's my thing. Like yeah, there was no I, I, reason for her to actually do it. They need to bring back heels paying off you know, other people to do their work for them. It's like a classic wrestling trope that we haven't well, had in forever. They're doing it on Raw right now. Yeah, well, they, like they're do they kind of, yeah, they did it with, with Miz and, and Loomis. And I'm glad they've kind of brought it back a little bit. But we see that when you see AEW's doing that like $300,000 trios tournament, like bring back kayfabe money, like on the regular. Battle just Royale, as yeah. like a motivating, fa- a motivating uh, factor. I like it. Yeah, if she, if you wanted her to be a hired gun or, or someone just, just in case, you know, pull the lever to help damage control retain the titles. Sure, I have no problem with that. But saying that she did it like on her own accord because she is getting passed over for matches and she doesn't even get to give that explanation verbally. We have commentary doing it right the next week and we don't even see her revealed on TV. Right. I, I was immensely frustrated by that. booking. That, you know, there's been a lot, you know, Triple H hasn't been perfect. Don't get me wrong. Uh, really, the Austin theory, money in the bank cash and has been one particular area in which we were notably critical. I hated this more than that just because it was nonsensical. There there was no reveal. There was no benefit. There was no promo. There was no character change. Like it, they just did it to get them out of a match. And that became even more absurd, Chris, when this gauntlet match began with Emma and Zia Lee as the first two. So Emma 
hits Zaya with a double underhook suplex. Lee comes back with a cyclone kick and beats Emma, who just returned to WWE in two minutes. Then Tegan Knox comes out for the second match, and Zaya Lee does the exact same sequence to beat Knox in 90 seconds. So they protected Tegan Knox in the tag team title match, but then let her lose in 90 seconds during a gauntlet to Zaya Lee, who hasn't been on television. That to me does not make a shred of sense. And why the hell are you booking Knox to lose in 90 seconds to anyone? I don't care if it's Ronda Rousey. She's been back in WWE for three weeks. In week two, you gave her a title match. In week three, you have her. And by the way, she impressed in the title match and the fans started cheering for her. And then in week three, you have her lose in 90 seconds to Zia Lee. I, I struggled for the remainder of this gauntlet to get over the booking as it started. <laughs> I didn't care. that I, I, I got over it mostly because I didn't really care much for any of the people involved. Like, I'm not that big of a Deegan Knox person yet. But it's not even about the person. It's about, no, it's I, about the, the, I, the thought process of the No, I get it. It was it was not good booking. Like, when Deegan Knox came out, commentary said, oh, she's got payback on her mind, yada, yada. But then it was just like, boom. This is the issue when you do gauntlet matches and you're on a two-hour show is that you end up getting some really quick pins. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know if Zia Lee over Tegan Knox was the one you wanted. I don't know. Are you are you pushing both of them? Are you pushing Tegan Knox because she was in a title match, but then she loses in 90 seconds? I guess we're pushing Zia Lee now. I it was a bunch of just kind of whatever, nothingness to me. I would give this early part of the gauntlet a bad uh, at this point. Oh, I would give at this point. Way. I would give it an ugly. Yeah, yeah, ugly. I I, I agree. I, I would give it an ugly too in terms of how the gauntlet match started. If we, yeah, if we stopped grading right now, it's an ugly. There's no question about that. So, okay, Knox is now eliminated. It's Raquel Rodriguez. She's in next. She hit her finishers to beat Zaya in six minutes, half of which was during commercials. Liv Morgan came in for a babyface, babyface battle. She put Rodriguez in rings of Saturn, worked her injured arm. Raquel came back with the springboard corkscrew elbow and then picked Liv off the ropes during an oblivion attempt for the Tahana bomb to get the fall in over 10 minutes. So that was the match of the gauntlet. Like that was the, the longer one that we got. Rodriguez then beat Sonia Deville, taking her off the top rope with a Tahana bomb for the win in three minutes. And just when we thought the match was over, Ronda Rousey came out after the bell saying there was one more opponent. And it was, of course, Shayna Baszler. She tore off Rodriguez's brace and stomped her arm. But Raquel just rolled her up to win in 40 seconds. And I could not get over the booking of this part of the match either. Sure, Raquel is big and dominant. But she just ran through the entire SmackDown women's roster with like one and a half arms. Granted, Liv got plenty of time against her. She came out looking fine. But everyone else involved in this match came out looking worse than they did going in, except for Liv. And maybe you could say Zia Lee just because she did get a couple falls. But to yeah. what end is that even happening? Tegan took a quick L, as I said, after being protected in a title match just one week earlier, which was one week after she debuted. Shayna, who loses enough as it is, got beat in 40 seconds by a one-armed woman whose arm she was in the middle of destroying. She didn't even need to be in the match. Raquel had already won, yet they just threw Baszler at her and allowed her to get squashed. Sonya got run through yet again. Only one of the many matches, as I said, got any legitimate time, and that was Liv, which, don't get me wrong, that's a positive. If you're going to do a gauntlet, you cannot just book it for 20 minutes and expect to knock out the entire thing. Commercials took up one third of the match, maybe more. And now Rousey is going to beat an injured Rodriguez only for them to probably run it back at the Royal Rumble so Rousey can beat her a second time. I'm not going to go so far as ugly because Liv not looking pathetic was like the saving grace of the entire thing. But this, Chris, was really, really bad. Correct me if I, I miss something. So Rhonda says you have to beat one more person. It's Shayna Baszler. Who allows that? Did did somebody allow that? And I miss it. Did she presumably that? it was cleared with Adam Pierce? One <laughs> I, guess, I didn't know Ronda Rousey could just set the parameters for the match like that. Like it's not like she's the authority or something that confused. Me. Well, to be and fair, then, yeah. to be fair, Roman Reigns and probably Ronda Rousey 
it's fair to think that they can do whatever they want. They have Decaf told uh, they have shown us that Roman Reigns has the power to do things and they can call up Pierce and demand matches. Ronda has not gotten any of that. Uh, so I just whatever. That was just that was the first part. I was like, why is this happening? Then, yes, completely unnecessary. Raquel looked great by by battling through all of that and getting in and, and winning the match, having the injury and all that. Like we didn't need to. You didn't need to throw that on at the end. Just have the two of them come out and beat her up. <laughs> like she'd already looked plenty good. Shayna Baszler, just like if you were gonna make her the heater, it's not it's not working like that, like like that way anymore. I thought the Raquel Live part of this was spectacular, and it mm. made me want to see a longer singles match between the two of them. You know, big person, little person, they they hit all that exactly right. And when Liv had her in the rings of Saturn, I for sure thought it was over. I was like, oh, Liv's going to get the win here. Like, oh, that's that good for her. Let's kind of, we'll see what happens next. And then Raquel came back and won. I was like, whoa, I didn't actually expect that. So like they, they totally sold me on that part of the match between the, between the two of them. So overall, ugly start, bad finish, good in the middle. Overall, to me, that's a bad Um in the end, Raquel looked good, at it, and that's what you want coming out of this, but a lot of it just made other people look like uh, like nothing, and that was unfortunate. And don't forget, Raquel looked good despite wrestling with one arm, like in case. Yes. So she beat all these other women with one arm. With two, she might have just destroyed them and, you know, made them retire, you know, <laughs> the way she beat some of them in terms of the, uh, the speed of the entire thing. Uh, you know, I gave my prediction, obviously, for this coming Friday. It's uh, Rodriguez challenging Rousey. Their first match, I should note, before I let you kind of go do your thing, their first match together was very good. I believe it was an open challenge on SmackDown that Raquel answered. Um, This was when she had the title Ronda as a babyface before everything happened with Liv winning Money in the Bank. So this is, you know, months upon months ago. But they had a really good first match. It was actually kind of surprising. So I am hopeful that it's going to be entertaining on Friday. Yeah, the first match, really good. I think they ran it back again the next week. Maybe they did, and it wasn't as good. It wasn't nearly as as good. So hopefully they catch that, you know, that magic in a bottle again. But uh, I'm predicting Ronda wins that as well. Okay, uh, let's move over to Bray Wyatt, who made his full entrance. He came to the ring. He said, "I'm not even sure if there's a real me, but I know one thing: LA Knight owes me an apology, as do the fans, because no one actually believed me when I said Uncle Howdy is a different person." Wyatt ensured he's not Uncle Howdy and started stammering before nearly collapsing. Then he attacked a cameraman with the mandible claw. The lights turned on and Adam Pierce and officials saved the guy as Wyatt just kind of stood there, I think it was, looking catatonic as WWE went to commercial. Michael Cole then explained why it was removed from the building with Pierce set to determine what is next for him. So there was some excellent camera work here with what looked like at one point, fan cam footage was also kind of inserted into all the different camera angles that they were using. But the drip, drip, drip of this storyline, it is immensely frustrating. Now, I know it was a taped show, so they probably didn't want to go too far and do another big reveal immediately coming after Uncle Howdy. But I just kept thinking to myself, that's it, while watching the whole thing develop. Now, whether this is Howdy being someone else or Wyatt having an identity disorder of some kind, It's really tough to say, but if it's the latter, then the guy is able to manifest physical forms of these other things that are in his head, which is just really tough to accept in kayfabe. Now, let's not forget also when Bray Wyatt returned, we saw all the individual Firefly Funhouse characters and others, you know, littered throughout the arena as that kind of situation happened. So we thought or or saw that occur once. And we didn't know necessarily what it was, and they haven't gone back to that. So Uncle Howdy could be that. It could be a manifestation of something in his head as a physical form, which again, that's really supernatural. And we're going, you know, beyond uh, some people's kayfabe limits. Or it's another person, which would be interesting. So because I'm asking all these questions and because it's something that has me excited to talk about it, I'm going to say good, but it's really by a hair because the drip, drip, drip of this entire thing. I mean, it's starting to get really frustrating. Look, I've been on that train for the last like month plus now. This was whatever. It wasn't like it was better than him just rambling, delivering a promo and then Uncle Howdy 
you know, spooky something and that's right. it. Like you, you attack somebody, he did something why it's been removed from the building. Like, okay, like they did something. So I, I will give it a light good for that, but I continue to not care about this, this feud, this whole thing at all, unless it involves LA Knight. Like it's more interesting when they're playing off of each other as opposed to Bray just doing his own whatever thing. Remember he returned at, at what show was it? It was extreme rules. Yeah, Extreme Rules, early October. Mm-hmm. So I continue to just not care about this most of the time. So WWE on Monday announced a Mountain Dew Pitch Black match, which I guess Pitch Black is a flavor of Mountain Dew and then also now a match type in WWE. But they announced that match will take place at the Royal Rumble. And I just found it incredibly odd to announce a stipulation without competitors. Like, when does that happen where they said, we're going to have this special match. Now, I know you could say, sure, Hell in a Cell. We know we're going to get Hell in a Cell. We know we're going to get Money in the Bank. But a new stipulation. When have they ever said, like, we're going to have an Inferno match. And then three weeks later, it's like, oh, by the way, it's going to be Kane and the the Undertaker in the Inferno match or whatever. Uh, So I found it weird that they did this. Um, Now, look, we've seen this before, right? With WWE sponsorship. We had the zombie lumberjack match that was at WrestleMania Backlash 2021, so two years ago. And that's really the only one of its kind. There's the KFC stuff. We've seen that go down. But in terms of a sponsorship directly leading to a stipulation, that's really the last one that I can remember. We've also recently in WWE had what this might be in terms of pitch black. We had a lights out match in August on NXT. It was Wendy Chu against Tiffany Stratton. An excellent match. One of the best executed lights out matches of its kind, because it wasn't like an AEW lights out match where it's just after the show ends and therefore it doesn't count and it's unsanctioned. This was literally a lights out match. The lights were drastically dimmed in the performance center. They had some black lights on and some other stuff. It just gave it an extremely cool aesthetic to the match. So I don't know if this is going to be like that. I assume that you know, with the Uncle Howdy reveal and the way they did that with the lights coming out and back on. Again, the way Bray Wyatt returned at Extreme Rules with the lights going out and then all those individual characters showing up. I'm going to go ahead and guess that this pitch black match is to allow some of that type of, you know, kayfabe creativity to go on where the lights literally will go out at times and then these characters will pop up and screw with LA Knight and I also am assuming, by the way, that this is going to be the LA Knight Bray Wyatt match at the Royal Rumble, because technically there is no indication that it is other than if you watch this um, little promo that they posted on social media, a lot of the images that are used to show pitch black, quote unquote, are the blacked out arena with the fireflies, which of course is a trademark in particular of Bray Wyatt. So that's my expectation. I don't think it's going to be like the NXT Lights Out match, which again, Sneaky good match. If you haven't seen that yet this year, you should go and watch that on Peacock. Um, but Chris, I don't know. I, I don't know really where I'm going here. This is happening. It's going to happen at the Royal Rumble. I'm okay with it, I guess. WWE, I think for Zombie Lumberjack, if memory serves, they got like a million was the report or two million or something like that. So if they're getting a huge you know, payday just to put Mountain Dew on a match, it's tough to blame them. But I do find it weird that they announced the match stipulation before having the competitors. It really should have been Bray making a challenge. I want you in this type of match. And then WWE saying it is going to be a Mountain Dew pitch black match. I know that's maybe a minor gripe. To me, it helps if they do it that way. I have so many questions about what this is. (laughs) First off, the definition of pitch black means you can't see anything. If it's anything but that, it's not pitch black. Well, they can do that. I mean, they did that during Bray Wyatt's return. They turned out all the lights and then they turned it back on. If you do an entire, that's no pitch black match. I mean, if you're going to have to have the the lights off for the entire match. where Oh, they're not going to do that. I mean, they can't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it going to be completely lit up by fans holding their phone? No, spotlights maybe. They could do it with spotlights. We we already had Bray Wyatt. We we used to have Bray Wyatt do the, the red light match as the fiend well, like, so he's, that's he's he's yeah. uh, not really he he's done similar things like that before however 
if you're including Bray Wyatt in a Mountain Dew sponsorship, like whatever you think about, like spookiness, Bray Wyatt, that's just corny as hell. Like, yeah, like that's true. To, to do, the only the, like and like it you reduces said, if you the, had, it reduces like the the quotient of real reality, it, whatever yeah, level yes. of reality you can have, whatever, whatever yeah. suspension of disbelief you're trying to have with very wide. You can't do it when you're smacking a Mountain Dew sponsorship on it. So that's why like, right. I, we don't know for sure. We don't know for sure that this is a bright wide match. I mean, We're just speculating because it would make sense for a lot of reasons. Like you said, if you had said, hey, we're going to do a pitch black match LA night at the Rumble and then throw on the Mountain Dew at the end of it, like like later on, like, OK, like maybe I can get behind that. All I'm all I'm, I'm trying to think how they explain it right now. And I'm just wondering if Bray Wyatt comes out, he's like, look, man, I'm I'm just a normal guy now. I'm not Uncle Hattie. I'm not what I used to be. I'm a guy who likes Mountain Dew. Look, I'm <laughs> Mountain Dew. I like it. And and then and then somehow that leads to the pitch black. I mean, he, pitch he, black. he he could cut a promo. <laughs> I hear WWE's having this pitch black match. I want to be in that. You know, like, I guess you could do it that I way. Don't. But. Yeah, that, I don't know that's why. The only way they, to like why would you announce it? I don't understand why you would announce the stipulation before you book the match. It, it's just yeah, it's I, wild. I don't, I don't understand that at all. I don't know. It's weird. It's it, it's it's going to be weird. I don't know what to expect. I have so many questions. I'm not going to hate on it because I just have no idea what to expect right now. And so, so sometimes they've done weird matches we don't know what to expect, and it's worked out. You know, like the greatest wrestling match of all time, like. That was okay. Like so, I I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see. We will see. But it's it's going to be extremely weird uh, leading up to it. The only other I was just thinking about like what other sponsorships sponsorship matches did I miss that we were talking about? The only other thing I can remember wasn't a match, but it was the egg from oh, last yeah, year. Yeah, the yeah that that's, um, with yeah. the movie with the Rock and Ryan Reynolds on Netflix. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. it was called. The fact that I can't recall the name of that movie tells you all. Red, you red, red Notice? Red yeah, Notice? I think that's right. Red Notice. Um, so that was the only other sponsorship insertion that played a significant role in WWE that was particularly notable. And that was just a storyline and a very weird, odd storyline at that. We had Ricochet and Braun Strowman against Imperium in a Miracle on 34th Street fight. Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci said this match and stipulation made a mockery of what they hold dear, but they were motivated to win and restore the mat being sacred. Rick and Braun did a backstage promo saying they aren't circus acts like Imperium suggested, but they will run the big top if needed. Rick got caught in a crossface outside, so Vinci beat him with a candy cane kendo stick. Braun punched a chair into Kaiser's face and destroyed him into the Christmas set. Vinci got busted open by a tree, like hard way, real. Uh, Imperium hit him with a double suplex and dumped a tree on Braun. One present was open to reveal a ballerina, like a, a real person, who danced <laughs> off the stage to the backstage area. Another present was open to reveal New Day, de- dressed as nutcrackers, and they were acting like toy you know, robots, toy soldiers. Uh, they were wearing the NXT titles, and when the heels approached them, they kicked them in the nuts. They cracked their nuts when they got touched. Uh, Braun did the train thing twice around ringside, Then he found Ricochet completely dead, laying breathless at ringside. So he grabbed some mistletoe and then got Samantha Irvin, the ring announcer, to kiss Ricochet. They're dating, by the way. That immediately revived him. He ran into the ring, hit a springboard moonsault on Vinci, while Strowman powerbombed Kaiser into a table. Ricochet then hit recoil. Braun added the running power slam. And then he assisted Ricochet with a splash off of Braun's shoulders for the win. All right, this is without question the most impossible segment I've ever had to grade. I think it was last year when I learned to give the corny holiday themed WWE matches the benefit of the doubt and to even love them because last year's I think were super entertaining. But this one went so far beyond some silly holiday gimmick with the ballerina and the mistletoe in particular reviving Ricochet. Like the campiness style was turned all the way up to 10. And that's not usually my bag. Even though it was a street fight, there was no tagging. So it was basically tornado rules without it being tornado rules. And I just criticized AEW about doing that exact same thing last week. Now, the difference between this match and that match is that was part of a seven match series to determine a champion. This was a holiday match. 
And it was a throwaway bout at that. The crowd I am going to use as my tiebreaker because they loved it. So I will give it a good on behalf of WWE fans. But I just wish it was a little bit less cheesy. Maybe I'm being a Grinch, whatever. I, I think, like, like you said, all of us as wrestling fans kind of come around on the holiday matches. I think we all hate them at some point, And then we kind of just learn to love them at some point. I hit that point a couple of years ago. And look, I was incredibly sports entertained by this match. And that's that's all it was supposed to be. It wasn't a title match. It wasn't a consequential match in some long feud. They're just out there to have a bunch of holiday themed weapons and things and have a fun match. And you throw in the ballerina, which honestly, that was the most shocking part of it all because you were expecting wrestlers in there. And it's, oh, it's a ballerina. And it's not a ballerina that's secretly a wrestler. It's no, actually, a ballerina. actually, she, she is. She is an independent wrestler, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, they, well yeah. I, I meant they were going to come out and then do some wrestling. No, moves, no, like, right. Like, like she could have, though. Theoretically, she could have. She is. Yeah. So like, yeah. so that like, so you get that, then you get new. Like, it was just, it was fun, man. Like, it, it was fun. It was around Christmas. It's not important. It's a Friday night. Like, I was sports entertained. I'm giving this a good. The ricochet uh, kissing his girlfriend part, which they did note on commentary. They said that that is uh, that is uh, my girlfriend. Or that is Ricochet's girlfriend. Oh, they did say that. I didn't. Yes, yeah. Commentary did his, said that's his girlfriend, and so it got him going. Like, like it's like, uh, I don't know, like Pepe Le Pew or something like that, like an old Looney Tunes mm-hmm. bit or Popeye. <laughs> you get the spinach, and you're good to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it was fun, man. Like that. That's fun. You can do that sometimes, and in in these holiday matches, are a good time to do it. So it just like felt it. like the perfect like holiday match at a house show. Because if yeah. if you do that at a house show, it's tearing. The freaking house down, especially Ricochet kissing Samantha and and the whole deal with Braun running around the ring and the presence like a house show audience would love that. And granted, this was maybe the final match that this audience saw after a double Smackdown taping. So, you know, they it was probably the right match in the right spot for that crowd in particular. It's just for that to be a TV match and to be, quote unquote, real to some degree, like it's it's part of a storyline and like, and now Ricochet can get re- revived by the kiss of a woman. It's, you know, inserting that now into kayfabe. It's something that, you know, look, maybe I'm just analyzing it way too much. Like look, I said, I'm, they, not, they, look, I'm not trying to overanalyze the entire thing. I'm just saying like, it was a little too far for me is all I'm trying to I say. Like, but I liked that they pointed that out at the beginning. Like you said, with the pre-match promo where, where Imperium were saying, this is beneath us, basically. <laughs> you know, they said this is beneath <laughs> they did. us. This is what they said. Yeah. But but we but we want to get a win here, so we're gonna do it. Like yeah. Like they're 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 igno- there's some self awareness in all of that, and I think that helps too. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's a good point. All right, uh, Ray Mysterio fought Angel. Who's these guys? Out of everyone in WWE, they're not getting their last names back. I have no idea why. Basically, everyone else has, but Angel, former Garza, Karrion um, Cross, and Scarlet watched from the crowd at the bell. And I tweeted this picture of them. There was a guy sitting next to them in a red Chicago 316 shirt with his eyes bugged out of his head, like selling, oh my God, carrying crossers and Scarlet are next to me. They might kill me. And he <laughs> legitimately made me laugh out loud. It was one of my like two favorite parts of SmackDown for real. So go look at that picture on our Twitter account at Getting Overcast and shout out to that guy, whoever you are. Now, there was some good action here. Mysterio hit a 619 followed by a pendulum DDT instead of the frog splash for the win. Cross pointed to his watch after the bell. Look, I love that Ray and, of course, Dominic do the Eddie Guerrero tribute on the frog splash. Uh, Ray does it coming out of the 619. Dominic, I think, does it now as his finisher. But this is a much better finishing sequence. The 619 into the pendulum DDT. It seemed crazy impactful, and it's a double head move. You're kicking him in the head. And then you're doing the DDT, you're spiking them on the head. So I just loved it. And I really hope that Ray uses that from now on. And Dominic can just do the frog splashes finisher. And that's good. Um, I'm not sure why this stood out to me so much, but it really did. And the match was good. I had forgotten Angel, Angel Garza, whatever was on the roster. We haven't seen these guys in a while. Yeah, him or Humberto like. Carrillo. Yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's been quite a while. Um, Not much other to say other than it, I, had, I had the exact same thing written down, which was it's cool to see Rey Mysterio win with the DDT. You know, kind of like a couple weeks ago or whatever, we had Sami Zayn win with the Blue Thunderbomb. Like, mm-hmm. 
winning winning with some non-finisher moves keeps you paying attention to every match moving forward when you realize oh that's not the cue that the match is about to end like you have to pay attention so i liked it for that i give it some minor good it's not much going on it was fine it was sure later backstage emma confronted cross and scarlet for disrespecting ray and for scarlet calling riddick moss a joker scarlet clarifies she actually called him a fool so emma slapped her across the face but Cross stopped the fight saying Emma had no idea what she just did. Not only was this a nice backstage moment, Emma called him Riddick instead of Madcap, which was music to my ears. If that is a permanent change, then that is an even deeper stamp of this being good. But I did like that Emma and Scarlett got into something backstage. Cross didn't just like allow it to go crazy. And it's been clear since this whole thing started that we were going to get Emma and Moss (laughs) Emma and Moss against Cross and Scarlet. If he's Riddick for that match, then that's even better. Yes. Riddick Moss was a sweet name. (laughs) Way way back when, when he kind of started with that, we thought that was a good name. So that was good to see that. And it's not that Riddick is a good name. It's that Madcap is among the worst names of all time. With very I think Riddick Moss is a pretty sweet name. I'm not saying it's not. But what I'm saying is Madcap is horrendous. Yes, agree. Yes. They could call him and then, they yeah. could call him Adam Moss and it would be a better name is my point. Yes. And then so I guess getting Char- uh, uh, Scarlet in the ring here at some point yeah. could be interesting. We have not had that in uh, what did she even wrestle in NXT? Much? She never wrestled familiar. in NXT, but she did wrestle previous to that. Yeah, she like right. Yeah, she has been a wrestler so we know Absolutely. that. So that's intriguing as well cuz like the the crossing he came back it was kind of cool for a little bit. Now he's kind of trying to figure out what to do. Throw in Scarlet. Like it just, it makes, it makes him, them more interesting anytime that happens. So I'm intrigued. And I like doing a tag team match, a mixed tag team match between them four as a way to delay what seems pretty clear to be cross Mysterio. And maybe they even do yes. that at Royal Rumble to keep both of them out of the Royal Rumble match. That would be interesting if they did that. Um, or maybe that's just a TV feud that is part of the Royal Rumble match. You know, that'll be determined. But I do like that they're developing two separate feuds uh, for Cross and also using the women, Emma and Scarlett, to have their own mini feud within that. So I, I find that to be uh, pretty interesting. Staying with the Mysterios, uh, WWE on Christmas uh, released a video, just as they did on Thanksgiving, of Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley invading the Mysterio family Christmas. Now, I'm not going to go into all details of this video. You can watch it. We tweeted it. Uh, WWE, of course, tweeted it. But uh, Dominic's grandparents, of course, were there. Ray this time was already in the mask. He didn't have to put it on when they arrived, <laughs> which meant maybe he saw them on the ring cam or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but they, you know, tried to get in the house, of course. Ray and I think Angie is Ray's wife. If memory serves, maybe you can Google that for me. Uh, wouldn't let them in. So they ended up at the, like, the doorstep. They got into it. Uh, Angie slapped Rhea Ripley in the face. The cops came up and they basically arrested Dominic with everyone screaming. Rhea was like, I don't know what this character is. She's like a goth Karen. She's screaming. <laughs> she slapped me. She, you're the, they should be arrested. Um, you know, why are you arresting him? Dominic didn't do anything wrong. And kind of technically he didn't other than like maybe disturbing the peace by showing up in the first place. Uh, so Dom gets arrested. He gets handcuffed. He gets put into the back of a squad car. He's screaming, mom slapped mommy. And then he's behind the bars in the car, like trying to peek out, talk to Rhea. He's like, call Finn and Priest, get them to get me out of here. And then like, there's a down moment and everything quiets down. And he whispers to Rhea, hey, I won't make it in jail, which had me (laughs) howling laughing. So yes, I'm grading this. This wasn't just a good, this was a, fantastic this was great they've now killed and knocked out of the park both of these for thanksgiving and for christmas feliz navidad to the mysterios i have no idea if they're going to do it also for new year's or i don't know what's next valentine's day is coming up probably just keep it going i kind of don't want them to fight because i want this every holiday you are correct it is angie Uh, angie is um ray mysterio's wife the, you know, one of the biggest changes in the AAA chair has been bringing back just camera stuff from outside, doing vignettes, doing just stuff happening outside of the ring. And these two have been among the best. It was this was so 
funny. And I love that it was completely different from the first one. The first one is he shows up, they're in the house, they get into a fight, there's a kendo stick, they're doing wrestling things. Mm -hmm. This was like, nope, we're not even going to get to that. We're just straight up, we're not, we're this not was, doing this again. This was domestic disturbance in a community. <laughs> yeah. I, I All I could think of when I was watching this is that Rhea is just screaming and screaming and they're just in a neighborhood. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Like, like I kept, I was like, I was like, I wonder if the neighbors think someone's actually getting arrested for something or did they, did they like let everybody in the neighborhood you, know ahead of dude, time? Dude, can you imagine, can, can you imagine like 24 hours before this, right? Ray Mysterio walking up to your door and knocking <laughs> on your door. Say, Hey guys, just so you know, Tomorrow night between 6 and 8 p.m., we're going to be taping something in front of our house. Like, could you, Im could you imagine seeing him in the mask? Like, just walk up and, oh, yeah, uh, Booyaka, that's cool with me. <laughs> Enjoy, right? Um, yeah. I, I just, I thought, I kept thinking that, that entire thing through in my head. What do the neighbors think? And, okay, they were probably told ahead of time. Who told them and how did it go? And, and yeah. that's, what I, that's what came in my head. Yeah, because I was like, you know what? I don't like. Are people gonna, calling the actual cops to see what's going on? Obviously, they had cops involved, like there. So, like some, some yeah. people knew, but it was it was really funny. Rhea continues to just be awesome in this role with Dominic. I don't know. I don't think they knew Dominic Rhea was gonna be quite this thing. I think they very much like adapted on the fly to this because the two of them together are just incredible. It's gold, and it, it it's funny. It's 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 good stuff. They're getting so much heat. And this was a really fun, funny uh, uh, Christmas bit. Indeed. And lastly, Lacey Evans, who this week um, ironically suggested autism and ADD are the result of processed foods, like an idiot, uh, got another oh, military God, vignette. <laughs> what would you say? I missed that. I missed okay, that. Well, that's why I said it so fast. Uh, got another <laughs> military vignette showing her doing combat against fellow soldiers. She called herself a highly trained, finely tuned fighting machine who wakes up, works, and wins with a mission to destroy every woman in WWE. The last supreme fighting machine I remember is Kama, and no one else should be calling themselves a fighting machine because that gimmick has stayed with me all these decades later. But that said, I actually thought, Chris, this was the best of her vignettes so far. WWE, if you noticed on that video, they actually thanked the Department of Defense in a caption, which yes. makes me assume that she legitimately filmed all of these on a Marine base, perhaps even with actual soldiers. There is definitely an authenticity here that we've never gotten before with Lacey. It's one thing to say someone is a former soldier. It's another thing to actually show them being a soldier or former soldier. And we saw a lot of that with Bobby Lashley. We've seen uh, when they've gone back and like shown some of his stuff, you see him in the profile photo with his awards or, you know, I don't know the right to his, his uniform, all that type of stuff with Lacey. It's more just been like, she was a Marine and like, that's it. And they just don't kind of go forward. They don't show you her or, or, or photos of her images of where you can say, wow, wow, she was really impressive. She did this, this, and this, but Bobby Lashley, they went into that depth here. It may be a vignette, but I just, I look at Lacey Evans when I see these and I'm like, eh, she kind of looks badass. Like this might actually work compared to, especially compared to what they did in the 1.0 version of this six months ago, which was among our 0.0, .0 worst of the year um, nominees this year. So uh, despite her social media being insanely ugly this week, I actually went and gave this vignette a good. I don't, I don't really feel like, I don't have any type of grade. I don't really care. Like, it's fine. Like, I get it. I'm just waiting. Is she going to show up? And is she going to be a face or is she going to be a heel? Because... No, oh, she's 100% going to be a heel. She better, but they also just did tribute to the troops, you know? And it's like any, it, it's it's rare that they turn the military gimmick into a heel thing, unless you're Sergeant Slaughter joining another country. So, right. so it's, it's um, I'm kind of just waiting to see at this point. I don't really have any feelings one way or the other. Like, it's fine. She looks tough, but like, I think they've set her up pretty well in the past only to completely blow it when she gets to the ring, not in, really not her fault see i don't uh, think they've so, ever set her up well once ever i think they set her up well with the first I, we, i've said this before but the first couple of look at the camera tell your life story vignettes the first you mean, couple you mean were, these you mean good. these you mean these <sighs> okay yes here we go those the first couple yeah. the first couple were fine and interesting they F told her the life story the problem is we did them for like two months 
she debuted and got a cheer and then they said, no, you need to stand for her. And everybody got confused and it completely fell apart. There, there was no chance of it coming back after that. So I'm just waiting to see. But you're acting, you're almost they, acting they like that was the first time we got a, a debut of her. This That was like her fourth return or third return to WWE. Yeah, I know. This is now becoming her fourth. And it's like, well, the first three didn't work. So this one just, it happens to be... I'm not saying it's going to work. I am not a Lacey Evans fan. Never have been. Probably never will be. I actually am. I think she's a really good heel. Like, I, I think there's a lot they could do with her. They've just never quite figured it out the right way. And so that's why I'm very curious to see if they figure it out this time. No, I agree. I'm just, uh, but I'm judging based on what we're actually seeing. What I'm seeing are quality vignettes that we have not gotten with her before. That's really where I'm coming from. That's fair. Okay. All right, Chris. So uh, that is it in the world of WWE this week. That's everything that happened on SmackDown. As we mentioned previously, Raw is a clips show. Now, you know, there's certainly the possibility that something happens on Monday night that causes us to jump onto this podcast that we've published and, and throw a quick edit in at the end. So if you hear anything that sounds a little bit odd or different and it comes right after this, well, that's going to tell you that something happened on Raw that we needed to jump in and discuss. But as of right now, Chris, that uh, is the end of the program. You know, I think it's been certainly a very interesting 2022 for WWE. So much has happened behind the scenes and in front of us right on television to make this, as I contend, uh, the wildest year in professional wrestling history. Now, you know, WWE is not all of professional wrestling, but of course, in the United States and around the world, it is largely that number one company. And it has been chaotic, entertaining, surprising, emotional on occasion. I, I, If you told me January 1st at day one with those title matches, when Roman Reigns got uh, pulled from the show due to COVID-19, that much of what transpired in 2022 did or would have happened, I would have called you absolutely out of your mind, crazy and insane. And we're not just talking about, you know, Brock Lesnar beating Big E and then unifying the titles and Vince McMahon, but we're talking about Triple H taking over, Sasha Banks walking out of television, some of the craziness that's happened, people getting fired, people getting rehired. It's just been crazy in WWE. And we're going to talk about all that plus AEW plus stuff that happened across the spectrum of professional wrestling on that year in review show coming up. But Chris, WWE in particular, it's been a wild ride, man. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it in detail, but yeah, it was, it's not been a year necessarily with all the big moments you're going to remember when you think back to what was, what was, you know, 2001 in wrestling, what was 1996 in wrestling? You remember mm -hmm. the big matches, the big moments. Ultimately, I think 2022 is defined by it, 2022 is one of the most consequential years in wrestling history. And we're going to look back at some of the things that happened in this year for years and decades to come of like, that was the moment everything changed in a lot of different ways. So I'm looking forward to uh, kind of re rehashing, recapping, remembering how we felt at the time when certain things happened and just kind of looking at where things are now and where they could be in the future. Yeah. And I'm definitely excited to do it as well, not just to recap, but also to look ahead and maybe make some predictions on what's going to happen in 2023 and beyond. As I noted, that is coming this week. So this was your WWE episode, your 2022 year in review show. That is coming up later this week. We will also have your AEW NXT episode, the final one of 2022. And then next week here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, another three-show week. We're going back to back. We'll have your WWE show uh, on Tuesday, as usual. We'll have your NXT and AEW show on Thursday as usual, but between them, next Wednesday, we present the 2022 Getting Over Awards, aka the Meaties. We will have approximately 20 categories, everything from wrestler and match of the year to, as I said, 0.0, .0 worst moment of the year, best storyline angle, news story of the year. This year, Booker of the Year for the first time ever. Smack talker, broadcaster, about 20 categories. We are going to cover as much as we possibly can in the world of professional wrestling. So as I said, two special shows, one each in consecutive 
weeks. That's what we do here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. I should really get that Mark Henry sound drop and add it uh, to our system. How do I not have that as part of our soundboard? That is absolutely wild. On that note, on the way out, I mentioned last week, maybe two weeks ago, uh, the equipment that we're starting to buy to improve the sound quality of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. The first two pieces, I think it's going to be five total, but the first two of five have been purchased. The goal is to get all of that up and running very early in 2023, January, or maybe early February at the absolute latest. But we are so excited to be able to improve the production, the sound quality of getting over and deliver to your ear holes something even cleaner and better than it already is. It has been an awesome 2022 in the world of WWE, a crazy 2022 in the world of WWE since we are wrapping up. Of course, on this particular episode, allow me to remind you once more, the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. So head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, drop those five-star ratings on Apple, leave a five-star written review, tell everyone why they should subscribe to the show. And if you do, I will read those five-star written reviews right here on the podcast. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast, not only so you can contribute nominations to the 2022 Getting Over Awards, a.k.a. The Meaties. Not only that, but so you can get episode drops, news analysis, and fun stuff all week long. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Oh, and one last note. Voting will open for the Getting Over Awards, a.k.a. The Meaties. At some point later this week. It's another reason to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Thank you all so much for listening to this edition of Getting Over for Vintage Chris Manini. This is the Silver King Adam Silverstein signing off and leaving you with just three final words. Bye for now.